Euh, dites donc, Nadej, euh, comment aviez-vous recruté le nouveau si rapidement la dernière fois Bah, LinkedIn. Ah bon, parce que là, j'ai besoin de toute urgence d'un ingénieur en IA. Alors, où est-ce qu'on peut le trouver Bah, LinkedIn. Mais j'ai pas le temps de voir mille candidats, moi. Comment on va faire Bah, LinkedIn. Bah, 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 bah. Vu l'urgence, vous êtes vraiment confiante, Nadej Bah, oui. Avec 8 personnes recrutées par minute sur LinkedIn, pour tous vos recrutements, il y a, bah, LinkedIn. Pour en savoir plus, rendez-vous sur linkedin.com slash je recrute. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. interview is with Andrew McLeod, and we talk about his new book. I was going to say his new film. We do an awful lot of films here on Face to Face, but today we're talking with uh, Andrew McLeod about his new book, Altogether Healthy. It's uh, published by Douglas and McIntyre, and look for it. Uh, it's on your uh, it's on your bookshelves uh, now, uh, A Canadian Wellness Revolution. Uh, Andrew and I get into what it is about what's right and wrong uh, with our health system here in Canada. We talk into this this whole uh, notion of, um, I guess, make it, just making it better. It's not necessarily going to be about more money. Uh, it's not necessarily going to be uh, uh, about a better plan. Uh, it's going to have a much more holistic and I would almost argue relational kind of component. We talk about the importance of of, of childhood and frag, the fragmentation of, of culture. We talk about addiction and how it's related to trauma and the psychology of that. We talk about the opiate crisis and, and homelessness and mental health issues. And the, the question that sort of started all of this for Andrew is why are some people healthier than others? And so we get into uh, a, a whole lot of things. We talk about politics. We talk about choices and how all of our choices are made within a social context, it seems to me. And that... that um, I think Andrew, if you know, if he could answer it in, in one or two sentences, which is kind of a really ridiculous notion, but he would say we need to take sort of a health in all policies approach, and he talks about that not only in the book, but it also comes up in the interview. So, you politicians out there, uh, please listen in. Uh, this is the kind of interview that you might even want to take some notes for. Uh, it's coming right up. Uh, we we had a great time together talking about how we could make our health system here better, not only in Canada, but I believe uh, uh, we could start looking at it globally. As well, coming right up, Andrew McLeod. Don't forget David Peck. Uh, David Peck Live. Com for more information about my speaking and writing, and face to face live. Ca for 
a long list of other interviews. Uh, lately, a theme has been death and dying and palliative, palliative care, and, and we've been looking at some mental health crises here in the country. And so today's interview uh, fits uh, nicely into that, face-to-facelive.ca, for more information there about uh, my podcasting and a lot of other interviews. And coming right up, uh, Altogether Healthy with Andrew McLeod, uh, published by Douglas and McIntyre. And don't forget, if you want to get behind uh, the work I'm doing here on Face to Face, you can do that through patreon.com as well. Andrew McLeod and All Together Healthy. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a special guest here today, author Andrew McLeod, author and journalist Andrew McLeod is here today to talk about his new book, All Together Healthy, a Canadian wellness revolution. Andrew, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining us. No, thanks for having me on, David. I, I appreciate your interest. So, so you're an author, you're a journalist, you're, you're, you're somebody who, you're, you're a social change advocate. I want to talk about that in a second. But you are also the BC Legislative Bureau Chief with the Taiyi. Can you, can you at least tell us uh, what, what the heck that actually means for you on a day-to-day basis? And for us, I guess. Yeah, so, so the Taiyi is a British Columbia news and politics website. Uh, started in 2003, and I've actually been, I, mean, I think I started freelancing for them not long after that, and I've been full-time there since 2007. Uh, I cover provincial politics for them, so I hang out at the legislature when it's sitting, and I talk to politicians, and I uh, ask them annoying questions, and I type up what they say, and, and yeah, write stories about it. If you, um, you'd love to, man, that's, that's a whole other topic for, for another interview for another time, it seems to me. I, I, so if you ask them annoying questions, and I'm going to do my best not to do that to you today, do, do they, in fact, still keep talking to you? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm being a little flippant. That's right. Not, not all my questions are annoying. I, I, I hope to annoy them from time to time, but, right. but never, never so badly that they won't talk with me That again. they won't talk to you again. And have you been doing that a long time? Uh, well, ten years for the Taiyi full time. So, so, so as a member of the press gallery in BC and, and uh, with a desk at the legislature, uh, and I was, I guess, full time uh, as a news reporter at a sort of a weekly alternative in Victoria for uh, about five years before that, and then done a bunch of freelancing before that as well. So. So are would you so you're at a party somebody says what do you do are you an author are you a journalist what how do you how do you what's on your business card uh, the business card says legislative bureau chief for for the Taiyi. Um I would probably describe myself as a reporter um, I guess the author tends to get used when when it's a book people yep. say author uh, I, I, I I'm not too bothered uh, by by what people call me I, yeah I, I talk with people I read I write. Uh, and, uh, yeah, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> right. Well, the reason I ask is because right in the introduction, and, and it's something that caught my eye right out of the gate, and I, I often, uh, I teach at Humber College from time to time, and when I when I mark, I put exclamation marks beside things that I like, and if I really like it, it gets a couple exclamation marks. But you, you talk about your, your, you, you, how you didn't really resonate with chemistry and biology. So hard sciences were out for you, uh, or at least it sounded like it. Um, but... But you, you actually, you referred to yourself, I think, as an agent of social change. Um, and that was, yeah, couple, that's a couple, long time ago, I'm guessing, isn't it? A couple, couple threads there. Couple yeah, threads there. One, yeah. One, uh, I, I, liked, I liked science, I liked chemistry, I liked biology, uh, physics, and, and math. I always did well at it. I, I stayed with it till the second year of university. Um, but I, I, I didn't have the feeling that... Uh, 
uh, that it was necessarily something I wanted to spend my life doing. Right, I'm not, right. I'm not sure I like like them that much. You're right. Uh, meanwhile, I, I volunteered on the student newspaper at the University of Victoria, where I where I did my undergraduate uh, degree and uh, and ended up coding the paper. And, and in those days, uh, I, I don't know if it was like you know leftover feelings from the '60s and '70s, mm. but the the I think the slogan of the Canadian University Press in those days was uh, to be agents of social change, uh, which certainly when I was 19 uh, appealed, uh, and, and compared to, say, the chemistry classes, uh, it did feel like a way to have an impact on the world. And You, you know, you look out at things, especially when you're that age, uh, not that I've changed much, but, but you look out at the world and you think, oh, things could be better, uh, and it could be better in so many ways, and, and what are the ways to, to make them better? Uh, I, I think journalism and writing uh, has a, a role. Uh, certainly, you know, lots of people would say we live better through chemistry, but mm. but it was, wasn't wasn't the way I wanted to. Right, you could only go so far with the Bohr diagram. <laughs> you can, and then there's lots of ways that can right. live worse as well, of course. I loved chemistry. I, for some reason, you, you said I think I remember you said you didn't you you, you found the memorization of Bohr. I actually kind of kind of got into it for a little while and, and every now and then, it, you know, it'll come up, you know, uh, in conversation mm-hmm. with my son and he's got, he's got the periodic table on his wall. And anyway, the hard sciences, you also studied philosophy. So, uh, for me, that's, uh, the question is more uh, interesting sometimes than the, than the answer. You clearly, uh, went into this book altogether healthy, uh, a Canadian wellness revolution just published this year, uh, with a lot of questions I would imagine. And by the, uh, by the, by the looks of it in the introduction as well, uh, uh, history, Kind of in healthcare, was there a was there a framing question or two that sort of pulled you into this debate, or was this sort of a, a conversation that you've been having with yourself and with others over time? Uh, in in some ways, there are themes I've been interested in for a long time. As, as a reporter, I've written a lot about well environmental stories, but then also a lot about poverty uh, and a lot about health over the years. Uh, and and the, the basic the basic question is, you know, why why are some people healthier than others, mm. right? Like why mm. why do some people live to, you know, well into their eighties or even close to a hundred uh, or over, uh, while other people, uh, you know, they they are lucky to hit seventy, right? Uh, so so why is that? Uh, and 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 the book is a way to drill down that. And, and along with that, I would say, you know, there are various crises that. I think we're seeing across Canada, and that we're especially seeing in, in BC. Uh, I'm thinking of, of the the opioid crisis, right. the number of people yep. who've uh, been dying from from poisonings, and I'm thinking of the mental health crisis, and I'm thinking of homelessness, and and uh, you know, there's a part of me that's very aware that we, like, I see these as all related, sure, uh, and 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 I think you know, as a society, we are producing a lot of people who arrive at adulthood sort of unprepared to look after themselves mm. and, and even, I would say, say broken. Mm. Uh, and so, so the book, in some ways, you know, takes all those things as, as a, and combines them as a, as a health crisis and, and looks at, well, one, where, is, where does that come from? You know, where, where does this uh, seemingly endless uh, chain of, of people who are having a hard time, you know, getting by as adults? Uh, come from, and and once we look at what the roots are, uh, you know, how do we address that? Do you think we have a myopic understanding, a very um, close-minded understanding of what health actually means? I mean, and I mean, I guess I mean that from a Canadian context, but I'd I'd probably just say from a kind of a 
I don't know, philosophical or global context. Yeah, when when you say we, I'm, I'm interpreting that to mean like as we we the public. Sure. Yep. Uh, you know, certainly there are lots of people out there with with a very nuanced understanding of this, and there there are people who spend their lives uh, working on on you know what are the social factors that contribute to uh, whether or not people are going to be healthy. Um, but I would say in terms of the public, uh, and in terms of the public discussion, uh, it's all very very much focused on you know hospitals, mm. doctors, mm-hmm. nurses, drugs. Uh, genes, you know, what, what are the latest uh, technical fixes that are going to uh, make things better when we get sick? Uh, and I would say we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about what are the things that keep us well, uh, which mm. is what I'm trying to do in the book, is to widen out the discussion so that we, uh, you know, look at those social and environmental factors that, that really contribute to, um, you know, keeping people well and, and, and maybe not uh, needing the healthcare system. Uh, as much or as soon as uh, they might otherwise. You say that you say that these things you just mentioned a few minutes ago that you know opiate, mental health crisis, and homelessness, and so on. And I'm sure the list is well. I know the list is much longer and social determinants of health and all that. I'd love to hear more about that, about that because I guess that's in fact what we're actually talking about. Um, they're related. The th- is, is, is there a common thread? Did you come away from the research and the writing with, and, and the people and the relationships you must have built, uh, you know, working on this book, uh, must, must have provided some pretty interesting insight. Um, yeah, just backing up a step there, it, the book is largely about the social determinants of health, but for, for the most part, I, uh, I, I tried to avoid, um, using the term mm. a, a lot. What, what I tried to do was sort of report on, uh, uh, you know, on, on, on the situation we see uh, in our country and in our cities uh, and, and report on some of the research that's out there. Um, and it, it really is all about the social determinants of health, but I tried to stay away from the, the, the term to some degree. Were you afraid of it sort of box, boxing in the conversation? Yeah, and uh, yeah. That, that sounds jargony. Right, yeah, sure. Maybe. Yeah, what does that even mean? Yeah, very and, academic. And, and people maybe think that, that they already know exactly what it means. And Anyway, so, so I was trying to, to write something where, where uh, you know, people get, get the idea or, or yep. have the ideas communicated Thanks. to them uh, without having it sort of, uh, you know, labeled from the outset. Um, I, I mean, I do use that language to a certain degree, but, but I, I tried to minimize it. Um, and sorry, your, your question again. Yeah, so just, the th- I mean, obviously there's there's so many layers with the conversation, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, just this idea of, um, you know, more inclusive or holistic, that health isn't just about hospitals, nurses, and doctors, and so on. Um, but the thread, I mean, or the threads, were there a couple of things that, 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 that really stood out? Um, yeah, so... so um, there, there are a few things I'd say. One, one is, uh, in, in terms of the way to go forward, uh, I'd like us as a country to get to the point where, where every you know, political decision, uh, every governance decision is made from the point of view of, of does this make us healthier or wow. less healthy? Uh, and I don't mean just the health care decisions, but, hmm. but you know, things like income splitting wow. or, yep. or you know, how you tax, what... what, what uh, you know, what, what level of income you tax and how much, um, you know, everything, it should be sort of a, a you know, a, it's sometimes described as a health and all policies approach. Um, and then within that, uh, one of the 
themes that the book keeps coming back to is the importance of childhood. Yes. Um, you know, we, we know that uh, the worse your childhood is, um, the more likely throughout your life uh, you're going to have a harder time, whether it's you know, you're, you're being ready for education when you get there, whether it's uh, involvement with the criminal justice system, uh, diabetes, obesity, smoking, addictions, mental health issues, like they are all closely related uh, to what your childhood is like. Um, and, then, and then related to that, uh, those tie into family income, and, and the lower your family income is, the more likely. And, and not saying it is, it's a universal thing. Really. Sure. Kids who grow up low income who turn out just fine, and there are lots of kids who grow up in wealthy families who uh, have all kinds of challenges. But, but on average, uh, the lower your family income is, the more likely uh, you are to have sort of you know, what we call adverse childhood experiences, uh, all of which are connected to all these negative outcomes that it would be better to avoid, uh, not just for the individual, but for society at large. Uh, so, so in terms of themes, I mean, one is, is the, the putting health at the center. Sure. Not health care, but health. Health, yeah. Uh, and then two, uh, focusing on the I, I love how you, I mean, you're redefining, you, you have redefined health, not only in the book from what I've read so far, and by the way, congratulations on the book. Um, Thank you. But, but also, but if, if we were to presuppose that with, with every political decision that we made or every leadership decision or parenting decision that we made, yeah, I mean, I think we'd be, we'd be living in a different world. We'd be living in a different world environmentally and relationally and on, on so many levels, it seems to me. You say, you say um, in, 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 in Chapter 9, uh, uh, healthy, healthy Beginnings, Childhood and Future Hopes, you talk about addiction and overdose and, and the result of the trauma to, to children potentially and, and, and parents and grandparents and stuff that's experienced over many, many years. So we, you know, a phrase I've, I've, you and I were talking before the recorder was even on this notion of transgenerational trauma. You talk about creating the conditions, here it is here, quote, creating the conditions to raise healthier generations will take time and commitment, period, close quote. Um, yeah. What, yeah. What's, wrap, what's wrapped up in that time and commitment? Uh, I, I think what I'm getting at there is that, that the challenges are generational. Right? Mm. Like this isn't the kind of stuff where you can wave a wand and it's all better by... Right. By the time of next year's budget or the, the next election, right? Uh, this is you know stuff we have to be looking thirty, fifty years out. Uh, and in that particular chapter, I think uh, focuses a fair bit on, on indigenous health, right? So, so we know in Canada that uh, indigenous people have worse outcomes across the board compared to, to, to non-indigenous people. Um, you know, whether it's the, the rate of diabetes, whether it's the likelihood that their you know children will will die. Uh, young, whether it's life expectancy, um, you know, the average age, life expectancy in, in Nunavut is something like 12 years lower than it is in, in British Columbia, where I live. Um, so, you know, we need to look at why that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, homelessness uh, is over-experienced uh, by, by Indigenous people as well, uh, more likely to be youth in government care, um, more likely, you know, when you look at the opioid crisis, uh, they're overrepresented there as well, at least here in BC. Um, and and a lot of that traces back to, uh, well, you know, the, the the residential school system and before that colonization, uh, and sort of the dispossession that that we've had here, and there's sort of a fragmentation of of the culture that uh, mm-hmm. has happened over the last, well, it's been, you know, 
say 150 years as Canada, but but going back to to, to contact probably, or at least just after, sure. depending on whose account we're we're taking. There was a psychologist out of uh, Simon Fraser University, a guy named Bruce Alexander, who uh, looked at the roots of addiction and and where he gets to with it is is that it it largely has to do with trauma and uh, the dislocation that people uh, experience, and and, and he, he points to. Uh, places, including including the experience of Indigenous people in North America, uh, where where you can can readily observe that. Do, would you, um, so so talk talk to me a little bit about uh, the notion of of prevention and and education. I'm um, I'm thinking about, I guess, you know that conditional sort of response that people make, oh, well, you're healthy because of the choices you've made or the choices you haven't made or the things you did or you didn't do. So, you know, this idea of habits and, and well, you even have a chapter titled Bad Habits, I believe, in the book. But Yeah, except in the, in, in the chapter, it's referring to, to what we spend money on. Right, that's right. Not actually referring to... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not personal. That's not, yeah, it's not that but, I but, smoke too much, yeah. But, but, but yes, yes, we do, we do tend to uh, individualize it. Right? Like, like well, we hold the person, pers- you know, this, you know, and, and I guess that's maybe now we're back to maybe you should have studied more chemistry or we should have studied more <laughs> chemistry, right? Because now we're back to genetics potentially, et cetera. Because w- aren't we always sort of looking for somebody to hold responsible? And that's another question. But anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this idea of prevention and education and so on. Yeah. All right. So so a couple of thoughts. One, yeah. I just want to finish up on, on trauma there. Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, we're, we're, we're one of the points I would make is that you know, yes, there are things we can do for people who've experienced trauma to, to, to help them, uh, but much, much, much better to avoid trauma in the first place mm-hmm. if at all possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and specifically when we're talking about the relationship with Indigenous people, uh, and, you know, we're at a point where we're talking about reconciliation and recognizing UNDRIP and, and you know, taking a very rights-based approach. Uh, I do think we have to be looking at, you know, what is the legacy of, of the interaction between uh, the colonizing people, including including my people, and uh, and and the indigenous people who are here, uh, and you know how can we have reconciliation that uh, that really recognizes that and, and in some ways uh, makes up for, for for what we've gone through. So so, so there's that, uh, and then on that thread that you were getting going there on on uh, choices. I, I mean, what, the point I think uh, that I'm trying to make there is that you know choices are made within a social context. Right. Um, you know right. everybody knows you shouldn't smoke, right? Like like it's, it's we've known for 30 years that it's connected to lung cancer and uh, heart disease and, and all kinds of things that everyone would like to avoid. Um, but it's for some reason uh, and, and and smoking rates have gone down like as you know through public education and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they haven't gone down for the bottom 40 percent of of income earners. So so why is that? Uh, you know, it's, it's not that people are sort of willfully uh, making choices to get sick. It's that they're, you know, making choices, uh, I think, the, the best they can. I assume the best they can. Uh, but, you know, they're responding to, you know, the, the stress that they experience yep. in their daily lives, right? Like if you're having a hard time uh, feeding your family, feeding yourself, uh, affording a place to live, um, you know, you're stressed at work, you're stressed when you're not at work. You know whether it's smoking or drinking uh, or overeating. You know all, all those all those behaviors. Uh, I think make 
are choices that individuals make, but they are choices that individuals make within a social and an economic context. Well, and I think, too, I mean, I've always uh, thought that, uh, you know, I, I try to I try to rear my wife Elizabeth and I are trying to teach our children to err on the side of generosity and grace, you know? It's mm-hmm. it's easy to point the finger. I mean, nobody nobody. I, I really don't think people choose to smoke because they're hoping to get sick or they're, no, they're no, hoping to get lung cancer. I mean, it's just it's so absurd, right? No, so course, you've got to step back and ask better questions. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that is our dialogue, though. Yeah, it? that, that yeah. Well, you, you smoke well, and, you know, too bad for you. Therefore, well, you yeah, and you make a better choice. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I think I think most of us, if we're honest, can observe it in our own lives, right? Like, oh well, this I guess that's my point about the generosity yeah. and the grace, right? Like, let's you know, they're they're but for the grace, right? I mean, it's yeah, it's it think, things can change very quickly, right? And and um, we could be sitting in a very different, like to your point, that these choices are all made within a context. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I just know from from my own experience that I mean, there were. Years where my kids were little, and and uh, you know my, my my wife and I weren't weren't both working. One of us was, one of us wasn't. Uh, you know, those were the years where where I came home, and it was uh, uh, sure tempting to have a drink with dinner and another afterwards. And uh, you, you know, it's uh, it's it, it's a lot easier to make uh, good choices when you're when you're not absolutely stressed out by the day to day. Right. Right. So, and, and so I, and I think it's like that for most people. I think it's like that for most people as well. I think there's something really humbling about about uh, this, your book, and about your approach, and and just asking some of these questions about about being healthy, capital H, uh, you know, yeah. in in a much more holistic sort of way. Uh, talk talk to me as a journalist a little bit about some of that wasteful spending, some of those you know higher level sort of bad habits that we have as as a. Um, as not as Canadians, I guess individually, but as a as a, a corporate entity. Yeah, so I I, I want to be clear that, that the healthcare system is a a wonderful thing in Canada. Like it's it's great that it's there. I think I think uh, we do need it. It does a lot of things really really well, um, and it is something that that Canadians are justifiably proud of. Yep. Um, that said, that said, it. Uh, uh, there are lots of ways where where it can be better, sure. um, and this is you know, research that comes from uh, the Canadian Institute for Health Information and the, the group Choosing Wisely. Uh, you know where they estimate that something like thirty percent of of what happens in the healthcare system is actually wasted. Wow. Uh, you know, so that could be uh, tests that are unneeded. It could be uh, treatments that were unneeded. It could be uh, treatments that lead to the need for further treatments. Uh, all of which are, are unneeded, um, and they and they have a bunch of specific examples. You know, things like people who come into uh, the emergency with a minor head injury who are given an MRI unnecessarily, and and, and remember, some of the stuff comes with a certain amount of risk, right? Like you don't want exposure to radiation; if you don't need it. Um, and the same goes for for pharmaceuticals. Uh, anyway, the, the estimate is something like thirty percent that is wasted, and then, and then when you look at our provincial budgets, uh, where you know we're spending 40% or more of mm-hmm. them on, on health care, and we're doing it uh, to the exclusion of, of other social programs that, that might that might help to uh, avoid the uh, need for more health care later. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big sort of structural problem. And, and again, we go back to this discussion where, uh, you know, if you ask people what they think makes them healthy, 
uh, you know, the first thing we talk about is the healthcare system, doctors, nurses, uh, hospitals, and, and I think there is wide public support for, for funding that, but I, I, I don't think uh, people necessarily understand uh, the degree to which uh, uh, we're maybe spending more than we have to on, on things we don't need. Do 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 you think you know? You mentioned you you certainly sort of implied that you have a fairly, you know, a po positive, uh, I suppose, outlook on or at least take on much of the Canadian healthcare system. But I'm wondering, um, what what about chronic illnesses? Did did did, did you find anything out um, about that that was sort of uh, revelatory from your own perspective, as um, as you went a little deeper? Yeah, just to be clear, like it's hard to generalize across the board. Of course, uh, and even even the category of chronic illness, like I, I think there's lots of evidence that you know mental health uh, issues, which, which which you know is a chronic illness, uh, for the most part gets dealt with fairly poorly in our yep. system. You know, there's lots of lots of lineups for for people needing help and and waiting a long time to get it. Um, I, I do think we we the system is probably better at the acute stuff where, you know, somebody comes in with something uh, that's curable, they, they get the treatment they need, and, and away they go. The, the chronic stuff is generally harder for, for all, all health services. Um, you know, that said, a lot of, a lot of uh, what people need is, is, is chronic care. Um, and the other thing I would say, you know, again, 10 provinces, uh, and even within provinces, you know, there are different health authorities and different communities, and it, it, it is very, very hard to generalize. Yeah, I would I would say so too. I guess I was going a little more with I worked in construction for years, and I saw I probably did come across a lot of chronic illness as well. Uh, but but it's a bit in my own my own family, and I know some of the challenges that we face with that. But but yeah, that acute stuff, the 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 wounds, the the people falling off ladders, you know, uh, um, people crazy accidents that happen on construction, gunshot wounds. You know, that didn't happen too often on a construction site. But but it seems to me that maybe we're talking about medical science here, you know, that can deal with that really well, but it's that chronic stuff that's a little more difficult to, 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 to tackle. The stuff that almost requires, I don't know, more investment of time, uh, uh, more yeah. research, more relationship maybe? Yeah, it will go on to the doctor in the States who writes The New Yorker, who wrote Being Mortal, has written about that. Like, you know, that, that, you know there's this image of, of, of doctors as, as being able to fix things, and, and it's true. Like, right. think uh andrew i mean sadly we're gonna gonna have to wrap up uh in the next couple of minutes but but definitely room for for a few more questions what what i mean do you you know it sounds so so you know just to kind of 
come back full circle to our earlier part of the conversation. You talked about everything being related and, and that there's this, this layered like nature to, to, to approaching health from a holistic perspective. There's a lot of factors going on here. We've got to avoid trauma in the first place. I mean, these are, these are tough places to get to necessarily because it's almost as if you need to have, I mean, everybody's got to be working as a body together, right? How, how do we get there? I mean, is I mean, obviously, it's about writing books like this and having conversations like this. And I mean, are there? I mean, I'm not looking for a quick fix here, but but are there some some immediate conclusions that 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 you came to to say we could make some significant changes? Like, let's approach every decision we make in this country, you know, as if it's going to affect our health. Yeah, I, I would I would say that is. You know, as I said earlier, that's where I would start. That's where you would start. Um, you, you, you know, the sort of the health and all policies approach, uh, and you know, reorienting ourselves towards what we uh, think is going to make us well. Right? Like we pay a lot of attention to, to how the gross domestic product is doing, um, on the assumption that that translates over to well-being. And, right. And, you know, the, the richer we are, the better people. Right. Are be. Right. Uh, but that's only true to a point. You know? Are you are you more of a gross national happiness guy? <laughs> Exactly. Well, <laughs> you know, we should we should measure the things that matter to us. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, as, as, as is often pointed out with the GDP, um, you know, if if, uh, if there's an oil spill in the the, the Strait of Juan de Fuca down the down the block from where I live, uh, and they, you know, and there's the whole lot spent cleaning it up, that's that's good for the GDP. Um, so you know, we need to to really measure the things that we. Uh, uh, that we really do want. You know, what are the things we care about? What are we trying to achieve? Um, and, and I do think, you know, happiness would probably be top of a lot of people's lists. Uh, good health would probably be up there. I mean, that's part of what I was trying to get at with the book, is you know, mm-hmm. we, we, we say good health is important to us. Um, yeah, you know, right. It's, isn't that the line? Well, at least you got your health, right? Yeah, yeah. You look at, you look at any magazine rack, yeah. you look at any bookstore, the number of things that are, are focused on health. Uh, and, and, you know, it obviously matters to a lot of people. You look at the effort people go to to, to exercise or to eat well, or a lot of people, not everyone, obviously, but, but a lot of people go to. Um, so, you know, what if we did reorient our, our, our mindset to we are going to try and maximize the health and maximum number of people? Well, what would that look like? Uh, and it would look like, you know, making sure that health was in the forefront of our minds whenever we make a, a public uh, governance decision. Uh, and and probably as we started making those decisions, the first place we would focus would be on on childhood and how mm-hmm. do you raise generations that are going to be uh, healthy. And uh, and then we we know a lot of it, as I said before, ties into what people experience in their childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I think I think there's a there's a figure out there like you know for every seven dollars or for every dollar that's spent on uh, early child development, uh, you you save seven later. From either the healthcare system wow. or the, the, the criminal justice system, and that, and that compares to, I mean, there's things you can do later, like you know, when somebody's an adult and they, they they're they're living with the end results of uh, what their life has, has been like. You know, there's stuff you can do, but it's it's uh, it, there's less room for for improvement. Uh, you know, comparing that that figure uh, for for spending is a comparable one for for adult basic education. Uh, if you spend a dollar on it, you you save a dollar elsewhere. Right. Uh, so 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 basically, the impact of, of spending on uh, childhood is, is seven times as large. And that doesn't necessarily have to be. Sometimes it's, that gets interpreted as spending money on child care or, right. or early childhood education. And I, I think it extends to uh, you know support for families 
another. We, we, we tend to step in when something's gone wrong. You know, you're right. going into care after uh, there's been an issue, uh, and, and often those issues are, are around neglect, and often neglect is just another word for, for poverty and, uh, uh, you know, how people are, are, are coping with it. Um, so, you know, if we, we took an attitude where we were going to intervene earlier uh, and get, you know, sort of as, as far upstream as we could, you know, what, what are the things that we could do to help families raise children in ways where they're going to be healthy adults? Uh, and, and I think if we started doing that uh, over a long period, you would see uh, pressure taken off of the health care system, uh, off the penal system. You'd see uh, improved mental health. Have come to be uh, less of a, an opioid crisis. Seems seem, seem, seems to me like it's a it's a little chicken eggy in the sense that so if if you've got to get every decision made at a, at a higher level that's you know uh, I love your health and all policies approach you've got to sort of have advocates working so that's kind of your top down but you've got to have your advocates and your your in, those working in, in in engagement and awareness and so on from the ground up saying this is we need we need to talk about health in a new way. I yeah. mean, are, are these incremental changes or are these monumental shifts, would you say? I, I think you can do it either way. I think, I think it's a monumental shift of thinking, uh, but then it can also happen in sort of incremental policy steps. Um, I do think there, there are, uh, I, you know, part of what I want to do with the book is, is I, I, I think there are people in politics who, who get this, right? Like, right. Uh, you know, Jane Philpott, who was the health minister for a couple of years after the Trudeau government was elected, you know, she has a very, very strong background in the social determinants of health. Uh, last summer, she spoke to the Canadian Medical Association, and, and basically her, her, her message to them was, you need to advocate for this stuff. I mean, you know it's like this. You need to advocate for it. Uh, the subtle message being that, you know, even for a politician who gets it, uh, they can't do anything about mm-hmm. it until, until the public is there. Right. Uh, I mean, they can, they can lead, but but if if you're if you're a local, I mean, I see it all the time in, in my job where where there's huge pressure for you know building a hospital in every community or or you know I mean the, you see all the headlines about problems in the healthcare system where where it's you know people getting uh, emergency treatment and all these and that sort of thing and there's, there's intense pressure on that or on on funding for drugs, um, less so less so on on the social determinants of health side. Uh, I, I don't think it comes up uh, a lot. There, there's not a sort of a strong push for it in the same way that there is for the, the spending on hospitals and drugs. And everything. I, I love the fact, by the way, one of the first things I do when I get a new book is I, I read chapter titles. I go to, and this is, I guess, the academic in me coming out, but it's uh, Mortimer Adler years ago wrote a book called How to Read a Book, if you can believe it. He wrote like 400 pages. I don't know if you know it on How to Read a Book, which is pretty crazy. But... One of the things he talked about was, you know, looking at chapter titles and, and, and looking at the bibliography. And I noticed that, you know, Jane, Jane Philpott makes it into your bibliography. And, and I haven't read it yet, but I do want to. 30 things uh, from her blog, 30 things I've learned in 30 years as a doctor. Um, sounds like a great read. And also, I hope, a little plug um, for your book. Just before we wrap it up, can you talk to me a little bit about, um, I don't know, this notion of... of uh, community-like restoration, community-like health, you know, um, and I think it, and, and I think, frankly, you've been talking about it all the way along, and I think it is a common thread in your book. But this idea that if if you are included, if you're embraced, if you're surrounded by people who love you, and so on, and I know that we all aren't, 
but I mean, I think it's all the more reason to sort of step into our communities to lend a helping hand when we can. Um, um, I'm not really sure what my, my question is, Andrew, but, I, but I think you summed it up. Yeah, maybe I did. <laughs> like, like, honestly, like just, I, I just know within, in my, you know, I, I, I didn't think I was going to be a dad for, for a variety of reasons. And I, and I know the, the bond that we feel as, 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 as this community of four and how that extends out to others and so on. And how do you, how do you, I guess the question is, how do you foster that? How do you, how do you, how do you push that out <laughs> and, and, and get others and get others on board, including, you know, politicians that matter? Um, yeah, that's, that's the big question. It is a biggie. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a life work for many of us. Mm. And I think that's probably what you're trying to do with your podcast. It, it, it absolutely is. Yep. Um, so, you know, we, we talk about these things and we, uh, we we push it out in in any way we can, uh, and and yes, the the change we're talking about is big, uh, but I think that's why it requires effort, right? Um, I, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure I have an easy answer on how things change, other than other than that I have faith that they do. When you look at right. how much things have changed, nice. uh, you know, over a hundred years, or, or you know, you take a long view, uh, and things things have changed, things do change. Um, and so, you know, we can keep, keep pushing. We, we, uh, we don't have residential schools in, in this country mm. any, anymore. Uh, there's no slavery in the U.S. anymore. Uh, we, we agree that was wrong. You know, things, things, things do change over time. Uh, and, I, and I do think that that's the idea that you're getting at, that, that we need to think uh, collectively, you know. Right. To, uh, to, you know, to a large, large degree, you know, we have these health inequities, where do they come from? Well, they're the result of social inequities. Uh, so how do we address social inequities? That's, that's sort of the, the chain of thought in the book. Um, and it's a long, long ongoing thing. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's a, a a wonderful read and a book that I I'm certainly recommending to everybody. Altogether Healthy: A, a Canadian Wellness Revolution by Andrew McLeod, uh, having uh, an interesting and um, I hope re- relevant conversation for all of us. I, I I wanted to go on. We may have to do a part two. I think Andrew. <laughs> Anytime. Yeah, so uh, we've been we've been talking with Andrew McLeod today, BC Legislative Bureau Chief with the TIE here today, talking about his new book, Altogether Healthy. Thanks, thanks so much for your time today, Andrew. No, thank you very very much for your interest. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers, and if you have a lot of mailing to do. Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.